G'day everybody, Aaron Noonan here. Welcome back to the V8 Sleuth Podcast. It is episode 90. We're not far away from bringing up the century. My guest this week is Lee Holdsworth and his podcast was so good we split it over two parts over two weeks and this is part two. So on this part we cover really his GRM era. We talk about his first supercars win in 2007, finishing on the podium at Bathurst and the five-year contract that well, really wasn't a five-year contract. We talk about his time at Stone Brothers and Erebus, the time he chased an intruder nude through his house with a baseball bat. Uh, true story. Racing for Team 18, the breakdown of that relationship, the move to Tickford. He tackles the National Motor Racing Museum couch racer questions and the Motor Focus Top 10 shootout as well. And, of course, he features as one of many drivers in our Bathurst Going Global book that celebrates 10 years of GT racing in the Bathurst 12-hour. Jump on our website, bookshop.v8sleuth.com.au, and you can get yourself 10 bucks off. We're giving a discount. Use the code PEPPER, P-E-P-P-E-R, when you check out, and you'll get 10 bucks off that book. The offer ends Feb 28, 2021. It's not valid with any other offer. Right, here we go. Buckle up. Time to start part two of Lee Holdsworth on the V8 Sleuth podcast. So you get your opportunity. Five-year deal. I forgot that bit. Five-year deal. So it's you and Canto. GRM 2006, Valvoline, Cummins, Repco, Blue, White, Red, Commodore, VZ. So it's the last year of the VZ because VE came the next year. But I reckon there's a there's a bunch – like we talked about the people along the way that are the like the marker stones. There's particular races and particular drives that are marker stones. And I reckon I know we – I reckon you know where I'm going here. In that era – and some of our listeners will forget this. In 2006, there was this whole, we've got to spice it up. Mm. So they had reverse grid races. Mm. It was three race formats back then for most of the rounds. They killed it later in that year because of the damage bills were racking up for the yeah. team owners. But the second race was a reverse. If you, f- It was the reverse of the finishes of the first. If mm. you didn't finish the first, you're still at the back for race yeah. two. So at Oran Park in Sydney, you lead, I think it was something to the tune of 25 laps in the second race. You finished third behind Scaife and Lowndes, who started down the back and came steaming through, and you finished third. And I will always remember Scaife coming down the pit lane mm. to congratulate you because you held him out for a while. Yeah. You actually put your elbows out and went, no, I belong here. I'm going for this. Yeah. Did that stand out to you as, as big a moment for you as it did from my memory back? Yeah, that, that was pretty special. Like those guys were still – my childhood heroes, you know, Lowndes and Scaife. Um, to race, I remember, you know, like you said, I was leading that race for a long time and and uh, I remember them coming up on me pretty quick. But I knew, you know, I didn't I don't I didn't want to make it easy for them because you need to show you need to gain some respect in the category. And the young blokes don't usually have much respect until they earn it. Hmm. And it was my first year. Um, you know, I'd been pushed around a fair bit that year, uh, and and it was time to show that I'm not just going to roll over. And and yeah, so I had a bit of a dice with two of the legends of the sport, and they didn't finish too far ahead of me. Once they got past me, I I I think um, I did a, a a reasonable job to sort of hang into that gap, and no one else was catching behind. So, um, Scafi, yeah, came up and. That was a yeah, that was a cool moment. Like such a legend coming up and saying, "Great job." Um, that was that was when I was like, "Geez, this is that's that's big," you know. Like that was pretty special. Mm-hmm. So yeah, 
that that was the first mark where I was like, that's that's a special moment. Mm. It, it, it's a standout. I vividly mm. remember standing there mm. in the pit lane and and seeing him make a beeline to you to, to come and down and and see you. Mm. Um, I'm just looking at my notes here. And it's reminded me of something that I skipped earlier on. True or false? A few years before this, you entered the chance of a lifetime competition to try to win a V8 supercar drive. I did. You did? And you know how I paid for it? I sold my road car for four grand. What sort of car? It was a Commodore VK, V8, 308. Yeah, killed me, killed me. And how much did it cost to go in the comp? Uh, Three and a half, I think. And you didn't get through? Didn't get through. It was to win a drive in the Konica series in 03, I think it was, a, a yellow Falcon. Yeah. But I d- think I was probably lucky I didn't. It's <laughs> <laughs> probably a fair point, actually, because I'm not sure anyone in the chance of a lifetime no, managed to no. quite go much further than the chance yeah. of a lifetime car. But I, I think you got to the point where you were having your chance at your supercar lifetime by the time you got to that Oran Park race in, yeah. in 2006. Um, another thing that I sort of skipped over before, and we'll pick up the GRM conversation in a sec, but this year we're doing here at V8 Sleuth, a Perkins Engineering book on all the cars of Larry's mm, team mm. from over the years. Now, some would be surprised that you're going to get a mention in there because you drove a Perkins-built car for Robert Smith back in the day, but it was, what, a, a VS for sports sedans with a six-litre Chev banged in it. This, this is yeah. sort of when you were DVSing a verging, little bit. Yeah, verging on on uh, on getting into this. Uh, I think before I started the development series in 2004, I did a round or I did a test day or something in that VS mm. of Smithies, and it was a six liter oh. when I when I drove it. So I was a pretty powerful beast, and um, and then later that year, um, I, you're going to have to correct me mm-hmm. on this. I did the Phillip Island Magic. Island oh, Magic. It was Island in 04. Magic. I looked it up. Yeah, which is 04. A, which in the sports sedan category yes. for the 50k plate, which is a very traditional yeah. Yeah. award um, that Pi Arc have at the yeah. island. I think I was Island. racing against Old Man Randall. It may have been in the yeah. Saab. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There you go. So um, that was that was cool because um, it sort of it didn't cost as much for Smithy to do it, and and it set me up for the um, you know development series races. And I also did a race in that at Mullala. Mm. I think it was the start of 05, I think, from memory. Yeah, like yeah. state series That's sort right. of thing. That's right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And we, went, we won that round, and I remember there was a guy called Lyndon Punchon. Oh, yeah, he had a, a cobra a cobra. Thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and he had a, you know, he was pretty big local over there. And every time I'd go to pass him, he chased me across the track to the inside. So there was the next lap, I thought, Nah, this is not happening anymore. So I've stuck it in down the inside into the final hairpin, and he sure enough came across me and put me in the dirt, and and I've just turned across because I'm not going into the dirt any further. So I've turned into him, and I've taken the whole side muffler off the the old cobra, beautiful cobra, and it didn't go down well with the locals there at all. And uh, I went up into the truck, and I remember Ryan McLeod. Telling all these people they can't come into the truck because they're trying to get to me. <laughs> so punching was trying to punch on. It was it was trying to punch it's on. His yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Right. right. So that was a funny round that one. Um, but yeah, so that was cool to to have that experience in the old Perkins car. Yeah, you're in the book. We'll we'll put you in the book because yeah. you did put your backside <laughs> in that car a few times. So let's pick up the 
GRM chapter. So 2006 goes pretty well mm. uh, into 2007. And I mm. remember you had a bell. I mean, when people think Holdsworth and Shunts, they think Darwin, and we'll cover that mm. off a little bit mm. later. But you had a bell ringer at Winton where you backed it in at turn four, mm, four the old yeah. turn two, um, good and proper. That was a big yeah. one. That Everyone forgets one. that one, I think. Yeah, and there's a little bit of a lead-up to that story too because and then the day before uh, we'd all been, you know, obviously eating at the track and everyone woke up that day, that next day, with massive gastro, gastro bug, bad. Ration like drivers was full was of it at the best of times, but <laughs> everyone was in a bad <laughs> I way. I remember I thought, I said, Alana was staying with me and I said the next morning, like I'd been up all night throwing my guts up and um, – and and I thought I I don't know how I'm going to do this the next day, and I I I, f- I remember fe- I remember I was feeling really worried to then go down and see the team Sherl, and say I'm no good. And, and for nickname clarity, if you didn't follow GM at the time, Kevin Shoyer was the <laughs> team manager Sherl. Oh, was that because he looked like Shirley Strawn? <laughs> yeah, right. I never knew that. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so I drove up to the to Shell's room, and he answers the door. Oh. I said, "You too." And I'm bucket, and he goes, "Oh, yeah, we're all bucket too." <laughs> so that the whole team went down. Oh. There were people on the floor in the garage when we got to the track in fetal position. Everything like they were they were oh, gone. Not good. And that actually made me feel a bit better. <laughs> so we all got a shot from the doctor, and then obviously went racing. And um, and I I was dizzy. I was bucket in the car, and it was a bit damp that day. Mm. And I remember, I think I was running fifth or something. I was, I was having a, quite a good run, even though I felt so terrible. And I just dropped the wheel on the entry to turn four, the outside left, and away she went. And, um, and, and a lot of people have me to thank for, for those tyres going in against that wall. I was going to say, eventually. remember Chas Mostert some years later mm. back to Pepsi car up onto those yep. tyres, another Deborah engineered driver, by the way. Yes. And, there was no tyres there, though, in yeah. 2007, and you no turned sand your trap, No sand trap, no tyres. Just a wall. Yeah, and, and, you- and the way it was, it just, once you went off there, you, you didn't decelerate because it went downhill and then back mm. up to the mm. wall. So it was a it was a big impact, and I went in um, backwards, and luckily I did, um, and it stoved it in. It was a hatchback. Oh, it was a barina by the end of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, and that, that chassis was chopped in half afterwards. But I went to hospital and uh and got checked out i was there for the night um and uh and yeah couldn't race the next day but uh yeah i was i was dizzy after mm. that for quite some time i remember it took you a little while to get your bearings back up yeah the results yeah. went down for a couple of rounds before they, they did they, did, they yeah. came back up because you just can't bounce back mm. straight away from that mm. stuff but when you bounce back you bounce back good jim beam 400 ring any mm. bells yeah Oran park in the wet again. Yes. So by that stage, the VEs are really up and rolling. Yeah. And from my memory. That was my first, first round in the VE, I think. I think it might have been. I haven't looked yeah. it up before we sat down yeah. to do the show. So you I started, started the year, year in the older the model car, yeah. which is the one that you back-ended at Winton. Yeah. I think you got your hands on your new one. Eastern Creek, I think, was the next round from my memory. Yeah. And yeah, then that's right. Park yeah. wasn't too far down the line. Yeah. So my memories of that are that the first in that Era, it was three race format, mm. one on the Saturday, two on the Sunday. Mm-hmm. was dry on Saturday. I think Tanda led early in the Toll yep. HSV car. His suspension or something in the front broke. Mm-hmm. Scaife won the race. And then it absolutely yep. hosed down on yep. Sunday. 
What do you remember of your first race and round winning the main game? Because it was a wild day, wild day. Yeah, plenty I, going on. I think I finished up ninth in that first race. I had a good battle with Jason Richards. And um, by that stage, I was pretty confident racing with all the guys. And I felt I sort of, you know, I, I, I was starting to make a little bit of a name. And, um, but I hadn't quite, you know, broken through to establish myself in the sport. And, um, I think the Sunday, I think I qualified 10th the first day, something. Oh, this is progressive look. grids too. You start where you finish. Yes, yes. So I qualified 10th, finished 9th. And then the next day, no, we qualified. No, okay, no, sorry. I was going to say we you qualified again. You have a Caruso moment. You no, have a Caruso was, moment. Yeah. So then the next day I start um, 9th or something and, and in the first race and it is, it's raining and I finished 10th. Uh, so, sorry, no, I finished fourth in the first race on Sunday in the wet and then we roll into the last race and Gary says, we're second row on the grid and Gary says to me, what are you, what are you thinking? Mate, it's going to dry up. I reckon you run slicks. And I said, no. I said, I've just done the outlap. It's going to, like, it's going to be, bef- it's, there's going to be, 15 laps before you go to a slick. So we'll get a massive lead. If everyone's on slicks, we'll get a massive lead starting on wets. And by then we can pit and put some slicks on. So he said, all right, your call, whatever you want to do. So he started on wets, and I think it was one or two on the grid also started on wets. And, and the rest was, bailed in on This was the, a weird race because there's about eight cars on the grid yeah. or 10 or 12, whatever yeah. it was. Half the field's on the grid in their spots ready to go, but yeah. half of them are in the pits. Yeah. If you're trying to take the big start photo for yeah. the full field, you were sadly disappointed. On the outlap, it started raining <laughs> to the grid. So to start the race, and everyone's bailed into the pits. Except you. Except me. You're the, well, the, there were a, a few, few on the grid. Yeah. But um, no, but the, around you, I meant in terms that's of right. the, yes, the leaders. Yeah. You were the only one in that front few that stayed out. Uh, there were, were yeah, I, I forget who. I should have looked at the video there before were a couple, we said, yeah. There were a couple in front of me that started. I think they started on slicks, though. Uh-huh. So, of course, by the first or second corner, I'm, I'm ahead of the pack. And, um, and, and just blazed on. And, like, I thought, how good's this? Like, this is brilliant. Like, and it makes you, you know, you gain a heap of confidence from that. And each lap, I got more and more confidence. And James Small did an unbelievable job to tune that car for the wet as well. He was really good on shocks, and uh, and he softened the whole car off. And and it was just a jet. And we were, we were the fastest car out there. Even once everyone got back out on on uh, wet tires, I was still quite a bit quicker. And um, and extended the gap. And then there was a safety car, and. I extended the gap again after that safety gap and then another one and another one and another one and I'm thinking, come on, <laughs> seriously. Like, how, how bloody hard do you want to make this for me? I think it was six safety cars in the end. It was plenty. I can't remember how many, but it, yeah. yeah, there's lots. And, um, and yeah, and I kept extending the, the the lead and I think it's – I remember – I watched the replay a couple of times. couple. A couple of times. A couple of hundred. Um, and Grant Daniel, I think, was commentating. I remember him saying it was the only race or one of very few races that someone had led from start to finish um, because we pitted late as well. Mm. So we were always winning the race. And that was just unbelievable. Like I came over the finish line and I, I remember like as special it was, as it was to me, I was thinking this is my thank you to Gary because, you know, obviously he'd put so much into it. And it was like, 
thanks, Gary. This is, you know, this is for you. And I remember the boys hanging over the fence, pumping their fists, and it was just the most unbelievable moment. And that still goes down as the best moment. Ever? Yeah. Of any? Yeah. Yeah? Mm-hmm. The first taste is the sweetest taste. Yeah. Big and then standing up there on the podium with Stephen Richards and Craig Lowndes, um, you know, doesn't get much better. Because that's the day of the round results. Yes, I and, mean, I, we and, had and the, it wasn't the, only that I'd won the race, I'd won the round. Yeah, most points wins the yeah. weekend and the podium is yeah. based off the weekend points, yeah. not a podium for every race yeah. like we like we do now. So yeah. massive breakthrough mm. on the board. I've arrived, surely. Yeah. You've got to be thinking I've arrived now and – Sunday night, that had to be a good night, surely. Yeah, I remember we went we went back to Melbourne. You 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 tweak like you you you're bringing back all these memories, mate, because we're going through it step by step here. But I remember going back on the plane, and the boys were lit on the plane. That was just it was happening, and uh, and we get back to Melbourne at about twelve o'clock. We roll in. I go back straight back to my our house. And uh, and get changed, and we're straight out in the town. I think we went to the Star Hotel or something. It was I don't know what it was called. South and, uh, Melbourne. That's it. Yeah. Star Bar. Yeah, Star Bar. Yeah, remember it well. And we just hit it hard, <laughs> and um, and it was yeah, we we're, we're all just just stoked. We we're in another world, and um, and then it was just like righto, and the expectations went up. Mm. Yeah. Did you have to work the next day? I. I think I'm. I think they gave me half a day off. Oh, half a day. <laughs> <laughs> you only get one day off when you win Bathurst. Half a day for other rounds. But I remember Gary. It was my. It might have been my second bonus check or something. And bonus checks, like he gave good bonuses. And I remember him coming out with the bonus check, and he sh- he gave it to me in front of everyone. And I'm thinking, like, I actually need to bank that check. <laughs> like I've got. A, I'm in a bit of debt here. Um, because you know we were, I think I was, you know, it was four, five hundred bucks a week or something. I was making, and we we just bought a heap of furniture, so we had finance and everything, and uh, and it was some, it was like eight grand or something. And I thought, Jesus, Ooh. that that's like that's you know a, a one eighth of my pay. <laughs> oh, no, sorry, that's uh, one one fourth of my pay. It was a quarter of my pay for the year, really, in one payment. One one race. Perfect. So uh, that They're was a huge good. moment, but the boys expected something from it as well because they had put in the hard yards and saw how much I got for it. Every lap in under a minute means every second matters. Bosch Power Tools Perth Super Sprint, May 17 to 19. Book now at Tick Attack. Supercars, unforgettable. 2008. Uh, so by this stage, you're in a, what, your year three? Mm. Robbo arrives without a nickname, gets one very quickly. Silly him. Um, and it felt – I really – something that irks me about GRM, and I feel like it's almost – it's a late – and I've probably been guilty of it in the past too. The commentary reference to they punch above their weight, I reckon that's unfair. And that's not to say that it was the team with the most resources, mm. but I reckon it wasn't a surprise to get the results that – the team has got over the journey, but the mm. results that you got in that period that you were there because you had good people, lots mm. of people who were there for a long time mm-hmm. who were a really well-gelled mm. crew, well crew is what I'm trying to say. Um, good chassis, good capability. Mm. I think Walkinshaw Engines came back yes. as a customer team yeah. around that time And as that well. was massive for us. And that was the big bit that you were kind of missing. That's right. Around yeah. that time. So I never felt like 
you were punching above your weight. I always felt like that was a very capable team that that moniker yeah. wasn't probably didn't quite fit. I didn't no. feel. No, no, I, I, I agree. I think they were a, a team that could certainly run the top ten in the championship, and we proved that. Um, but uh, you know, as a street car, they were Sydney street one car. of the best. What was it with you in Sydney Olympic Park? You were just the man there. Like Townsville, yeah. you were fast. Yeah, but it was Homebush. You just virtually the, the, had a mortgage the, the, on for a bit. There. The uh, they had good grunt because we got the Walkinshaw engine at that stage. Um, and we'd finally worked out how to get that power to the ground because that was the biggest struggle once we got those engines was, that, you know, they were a good wet car before then because mm. we did lack a bit of torque in the engines and, and so we had better drive drivability off the corners. But then we got the Walkinshaw engine and straight away we were faster but we were wheel spinning, we couldn't stop and we were tearing the tyres off it um, and, you know, we, we finally got on top of that but we didn't lose the traits of the car and the strengths of the car. So we just made a big step forward from where we were. And um, they were always very pointy cars, very, you know, point and squirt sort of cars. They didn't like the longer radius corners. They they turned really well. So those 90-degree type corners, Winton, um, you know, and the street tracks, especially uh, especially Homebush. Oh, it was full it was of 90 just degrees. Made, the yeah. GRM car was made for that track. Yeah. And, and it was just... Like it was the best car to drive around those circuits. You could just push harder and harder and harder every lap. And really, like, out of any, you know, from my whole career, that's the round where for two years we dominated, really. Yeah. We didn't put it all together the first year we were there, but the second year we really dominated that circuit. And um, didn't you get three of the four poles or something like that from yeah, memory? Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and one of the, ones i missed out on was a second so i got uh, the first year i was second the first day and pole second and then the next year i was pole pole so it was it was just awesome like we had that thing in a in a really beautiful window i think caruso was on the second row um and uh and yeah that was just a really cool weekend but that that's that car was was mint on those tracks Mm. not so great on longer radius corners your phillip islands your eastern creeks so we were sort of it was a bit inconsistent the package but um certainly you know when the opportunity was there you had to take it and adelaide i remember too was a place where you were pretty strong there for a couple of years you were runner up yeah. in 08 mm-hmm. on the sunday to wink up and you were runner up again i think to wink up again on the saturday mm-hmm. the following year so street tracks mm-hmm. you wanted more street tracks with yeah, that team just, and those cars you would have munched i loved them up. it yeah, yeah i loved it and i came out of Adelaide one year and second in the championship and, you know, felt that we were going to have a really good year, which we did, but just never could stay up in that top, mm. you know, three or four um, for the year. So, um, yeah, but but you get to those straight tracks and, and you made the most of it. Your eyes lit up because the car lit up. That's, yes. that's definitely the go. Uh, 2010, I think it was when Fujitsu backing mm. came along, mm. Um I, I remember vividly, and I think there might be a, a fan question a bit later on in our National Motor Racing Museum catch racer questions. Um, I vividly remember Bathurst that year. The history book show Craig Lowndes and Mark Scaife won. Uh, yourself and Dave Bernard led most laps, pretty mm. much half the race. Mm. Um, Lowndes is still blowing up on his radio after uh, <laughs> getting held up and yes. stuck behind Bezzy because he was – not standard Happy Craig that day. He was very fruity on the radio. He was a bit fired up. Um, and then I think, was there a drive-through? This is, I'm kind of putting this in the category of 
and everyone's got them and probably multiples in the yeah. your filing cabinet yeah. from back in your clerk days yeah. of days that the Bathurst win got away. Yeah. Is 2010 yeah. the one that got away? For yeah, you that where, one's still – it still hurts. Sorry to bring it up. <laughs> but there's, I think you got to drive through after a driver yeah. change or something so, that kind so of what, fizzled out. Uh, we had a really strong car. I started the race. Um, I remember whilst the role of Coulthard's was going on down at the chase, I was passing Mark Scaife uh, into the final corner and um, to, to lead the race uh, or it may have been – Winterbottom next, but uh, anyway, You're in so the front we, you. we, yeah. we, uh, we, we had a dominant car and, um, and we, yeah, just was able to drive away from the field. I think we pulled an eight second gap or something like that. And, um, and then Bezzy jumped in and did a ripper job. Like he, but he, he rags it. Like he doesn't leave anything <laughs> on the table. There was nothing left on the table. And Lounsey was, uh, was up against him and he came up on the back of him and Bezzy, wasn't going to let him through. And I'm yelling at Richard Holway saying, mate, honestly, go. it's so early in the race. It's not even halfway. It was, maybe it was halfway, but it yeah. wasn't far. Yeah. And um, anyway, he came in and and the tyre was shredded and uh, I remember the commentators couldn't stop, you know, carrying on about how good a job he did, which he did. He did a ripper job. Um, but then I jumped in and the next lap I get told I've got a drive through. And I went nuts. I remember hearing the radio. On the radio. Probably your biggest spat on the radio. Yeah. I reckon I've ever heard. Yeah. It was a good one. It was, I was, that was pretty, one of the most angry I've been in a car for a long time or forever. And, uh, and I, I remember, um, I said, that's bullshit. You know, I, I didn't do the draw. I didn't speed in pit lane because that was what the penalty is for. And um and the next like were, everyone was so flustered after that that we came in and the next stop to finish the race I was running um seventh or something and uh, we served our drive through we were, we were you know in for the chance of the win um and and then served the drive through dropped back to seventh and then we put the next set of tyres on we meant we meant to be greens we had a set of greens ready to go and they put back on. Older tires, so accidentally. That, they got flustered, flustered from us, that penalty. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and so recovered. I was just wondering, what the hell's going on? Like, where's the speed gone? And, um, yeah, as a result, we ended up uh, seventh. And um, and I came in and I was f- still fired up. But I think before that happened, though, you were part of the queue. And, and this is the irony. Everyone's mm. big on the Fabian Coulthard, Debris, mm. Debris 2019 stack job, which was mm. the biggest stack job at Bathurst we've ever seen. But Tanda did it in 2010 and you were behind him. Do you remember that? Uh, For the last stop, Will Davis and his teammate was ahead of him on the track. Yeah. And he banked the field back up and you were the next car in the queue behind him. That's right. Mm. I do remember that. Yeah. So you got held back there a bit because yes, he didn't want to stack. Yeah. Oh, and, I, and there was another time I was a little bit angry on the radio. Yeah, you were angry a few times that I was, day. I, I was punting into the back of him to try and get him to go, but yeah. he was trying to create the gap. Um. So, yeah, Um. I, Gary didn't believe me that I didn't speed. Um. So, so they, said, they had pinged you for the speed on the way out? Well, they didn't. They said the they reckon it was on the way out. Anyways, I, I said to Richard... I said, pull up the data. I'm not going to bed tonight without knowing mm. that I didn't do this. And sure enough, Bezzy came in in second gear rather than first. Um, and uh, and I had to go and say something to Gary. Um, 
because, you know, the last thing I need is for him to think that I'd throw on his team away a win too. Um, but, uh, yeah, that was that was the one that got away. Um, everyone's got their stories, mm. but um, we had a mega car that day. And, uh, yeah, so we move on. Let's talk about a good day at Bathurst. It was the year before. Mm-hmm. So Caruso told us the story about he and yourself going to the team with this idea that you wanted to have a, a livery mm. for Bathurst. And yeah. the way he told it is that, I'm not sure if you've heard it or not, but give us your version of how that all unfolded because it was a one-off livery that actually stayed on the car for I think another round or two. Yeah. You guys finished third. You held off Murph by I think point oh oh B's knee of a second. Yeah. Yeah. Um, tell me not just about the, that race but about the whole process of it's very rare that drivers end up coming up with ideas for their own liveries. Yeah, it was – we we got on well with brushes, the sign writer there. Um, again, don't know. Neville Bolton yeah, is his yeah, name. If you never knew, <laughs> do you know anyone's name from GRM? No. no. <laughs> um, so yeah, and, and we were saying to him, mate, how good would it be to come up with a design for this car? Like we we need to do something for Bathurst to make it a bit special. I hope I'm consistent with Caruso's story here because it, it's a bit. One of you might get dobbed in for something yeah. here if you don't get this right. <laughs> Uh, and um, and we went. Yeah, we said to we said to brushes because we knew Gary wasn't keen on the idea because it cost you know another whatever to to wrap the car yeah. four or five grand or whatever. And um, we thought it'd be great for the sponsors. It'd just be cool to do something different. So brushes came up with a design, and um, and we said right, I will try and sell it to Gary. So uh, we put it forward to Gary, and he wasn't keen. Um, I think Bryce has brought up about three or four designs. And then so I don't I'd, I, I'll have to listen to Caruso's pod to see what else happened. I forget. But we ended up getting it on the car and um, it was really cool. Like everyone was pumped and it really fired everyone up for the round as well, which is was our plan. We wanted everyone pumped because it was, you know, him and I, Caruso and I teaming up and it was our, a really good chance to have a result. So... Yeah, it was a, a special one-off livery, and it was so good that they left it on Caruso's car for the rest of the year. <laughs> hey, that, that's that's the ultimate endorsement for mm. a new livery. If they yeah. don't peel it off as soon as the event's finished, yeah. they just decide to leave it yeah. on. <laughs> well, if you've spent five grand on the stickers, if you cover the cost over four rounds, not one, yes, it's a better deal. It's, it's a better it. deal. Yeah. Did you think you'd got the podium position, or did you think Murph had nabbed you right on the line? Because I remember he was right. He uh, he was fired and filthy yeah, because they just yeah, missed a safety car earlier on. on. He was coming through. They were on fire. They he was good so fast. Absolutely. 100%. But I remember, did you have a bobble at the chase on the last lap to give him a sniff to get Yeah, so, so we um, – we decided not to do rotors and pads for the last or for the you know for the end of the race, whereas everyone you know it's a pretty traditional thing to do is have good brakes towards the end of the race. It's what you want to do at least change them halfway through the race. But we thought we'd save ourselves the risk of of costing ourselves more time in a pit stop, and just run to the end of the race. And um, and so I had a long pedal. It was starting to lock rears. When the pedal goes long, it tends to give you a bit more bias towards the rear. And um, so I was like having a bit of a problem pulling the car up um, and Murph was coming on hard and angry and an angry Murph is is a, mm, a pretty not a good Murph. crazy mm. Murph. And, uh, but, you know, there was no way I wanted to let this podium go. So uh, with three or four laps to go, he was on my tail and I was running the white lines, you know, <laughs> everywhere trying <laughs> to hold him off. And 
Um, I, I remember I came into the chase and I've, I, I didn't think I was going to pull it up. I thought I was going to spear off and I've turned in, lost the reel a little bit and given Murph a really good run coming out of, um, out of the chase. And it was Murph and Scaife in that car. So some pretty big names and pretty legendary names of Bathurst. Um, and, uh, and, and I just, there was just no way. So he came, came down to the final corner. For the last two laps, I think, he was on my outside trying to do the crisscross. And I'd just pull it up enough mid-corner to not allow him to do the switchback. And so the last lap was the most stressful, to this day, the most stressful lap of my life. Um, he was, and, and he was super quick on the straights too. I remember him towing up to me massively at the end of Conrad. And he had a go down the inside into the chase and I blocked him. So then he got a good run out of the chase. He was right up my ass and he actually was side by side with me coming to the last corner. And I, I thought, I've, I've got him. I've got the inside here. And, uh, and I get to mid corner and I just stand on the throttle, like, you know, too hard to the point where I came off the edge of the curb on the exit and didn't get the greatest run out. And I saw Murph do the switch back and he was side by side with me over the line. And I, I did feel like I, I thought I, I screamed over the radio that we'd got it. But then I was in doubt and I'm thinking, actually, like, about a meter after the line, he was in front of me, <laughs> so I don't know. <laughs> and uh, and I was saying, you know, and then I'm I'm just just had severe anxiety thinking that you just costed a podium. Did we get it or not? Yeah, and I'm know. saying to the team, what's the go? Did we get it? Did we get it? And no one would answer because they're all too busy screaming. That'll be why I didn't get anything until I started pulling into the pits, which was just around the exit of turn one. And they said, yes, mate, you got up by 0.017 or something like that, which which ended up, I think it was a foot yes, uh, of, uh, of track. Nothing. And the cheers and the tears at the time, they were- And the beers. Yeah, and the beers. They all rhyme for a reason because they, they all go together. Yes. So, um, yeah, crazy, crazy race and, and uh, a, a really proud moment in the career uh, to- and especially for the names that we were able to hold off, and and to do it with yeah, Michael as well, um, yeah, cool round that one. Big day for Holden. I think it was Commodores day, one, yeah. two, three, four. Yes. So they ran it at the podium, and uh, and Murphy mm. was the the non podium one in fourth. Do you know how to find the right oil for your car? Now you can find out quickly and easily online thanks to Castrol's Rego to Oil tool. Simply type in your Rego, select your state. And within seconds, you'll know the best Castrol products to unlock the edge of performance in your car. So what's your car best suited to? Just search Rego, the number two, and oil and find out. Now, the five-year deal ends, 2011, and then you move on to Stone Brothers. No. Yeah? 2012? No, uh, no 2011 was actually my sixth year there. Oh. And this is the hang technicality. On okay, hang on, hang on, rewind, rewind. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten is five years. Yes, you're right. Yeah, and I this just is naturally how... thought from your five years that this was Gary got me on a technicality. Okay, there right. Too. Do tell this. Hang on, hang on. So, how do you have a five year deal end up staying six? So, my contract was um, was for five years. That was okay. the agreement. Yep. But there's the always a sign. Bug. As as it said, as it stated, we ha- we agreed verbally. It was five years. The contract said you are there from. 2006 uh, for 
uh, sorry, and and finish in, I think it was just a, a typo. He, Errol, the guy that was there at mm. the time, he just added five years on to 2006. So he's Which just gone five and six to 2011. Oh, and you didn't But my, the structure of my contract was five years. So it was always intended. But just the number was yes. the thing that was. So I said to Gary, because I was already looking at where to go for the following year. I'll ask you about that in a minute. And, uh, and Gary said to me, because um, I went to him and I said, hey, I think I'm, I'm going to leave. So no one picked it up at the time, the typo? No. Right. Um, I think I'm going to leave. I just want to give you the heads up. And that this I'm, is I'm looking around. This is intense. Yes, yeah. I'm looking around. Um, and uh, so I, you know, I want you to know. Um, so, and, and Gary said, well, you got another year. And I said, no. <laughs> He said, no, have a look at the contract. And he said, you got another year here. And I said, you and I both know that's a typo, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> and he held a straight face. He said, no, nah, that's what we always agreed on. <laughs> so we came to a bit of an arrangement where I said, well, Gary, if this is going to work. Uh, you know, although I was very happy being at GRM, there were things that I wanted to to move forward with, you know, making the team better, and um, and one of those things was engineer. And I said to him, "If you get me Richard Holway, I'll stay." <laughs> so did you think, oh boy, I'm not sure he's going to do this? Or I, uh, I think he knew that he had, there was a bit of give and take there. Yep. Okay. Needed needed, um, you know, required. To, to for, for both sides to be happy because, yep. you know, Gary knows that if a driver's not happy, he shouldn't be there mm. anyway. And mm. so we um, we worked through that and it actually worked out bloody good because Richard came along and... Uh, and why did you pick Richard? He'd been at HRT and Walkinshaws for yeah, a yeah. really long time. Yes, and I knew he was highly rated. Um, he was one of the big-name engineers back then. And, you know, everyone wanted someone from HRT because they were the team that were dominating, certainly in Holden. So, um, yeah, uh, we, we somehow, Gary got him over. And, um, yeah, that was a huge win. And, and then so 2011 was my final year there. Mm. So was there any realistic other places you could have gone if you could go at the end of 10? Yeah. Uh, well, there was a... There were a few times at GRM when I had an opportunity. One was HRT and one was FPR. Now, the funny thing is when drivers talk about these situations, we tend to find that multiple drivers talk about the same opportunities and it turns out that teamers were talking to them all, yeah. telling them all the same thing. Yeah. So was your HRT one when... Scaife left. Right, yes. Hmm. 2000 and end of 08. Uh, Sorry, yeah, uh, in of 08, he finished up full-time. Yeah, 2009, yeah Davis that's right, there. yeah. So that was a so chance. So they were, they, yeah, that was, well, it wasn't because I was in a contract. No, but there was a, there was discussions. Yes. From HRT, from Holden, from... Uh, I forget who who called, but, yeah, um, from, from HRT. So, um, yeah, obviously that opportunity... Um, went by the wayside and, and didn't go into too many, um, you know, too much depth because mm. it was a non non um, non event. 
was never going to be. So, and then there was an opportunity at the end of 2010 to go with FPR mm -hmm. uh, in the number five car, I think it was, or six, six car. Six um, car because yes. Steve Richards Richo. was leaving. Yeah, yep. to fill Richo's spot. And, uh, and, and that's why I then went to Gary and I said, you know. Because you had that yeah. offer on the table. Yes. Yep. And, um, and so, you know, I ended up staying at GRM. And then for the following year, I then had an offer from, uh, from SBR and FPR again. Um, and a couple of others, but I was interested in those two. And I ended up obviously going with Stone Brothers. Um, because I didn't want to be a third car. So and at FPR, you would have been the bottle, the bottle car that yes. Reynolds yep. ended up in. Yeah. Because you felt like you'd be the third citizen and. Yeah, I didn't want to be up. sharing a boom with an unknown, you know, mm. an unknown team. Uh, I just felt there was a lot less control. And, and those, in those days, a third car was a third car, you know, uh, although the way that FPR did it, it wasn't. They did a really good job of it. Um, but yeah, I just saw this third car status as you were third in line and, and yeah. I didn't want that. And, and I got the drive with Stone Brothers being the second driver to mm. Shane Van Giesbergen. So, so you went in there f being told you were the second driver or no, feeling you were the second you driver? you sort of get to, you know that. You don't come into any team as the number one driver unless, you know, it's you're real in the clear. championship or something yep. like that. Yep. When did you know that you wouldn't be driving a Falcon for too long? Because <laughs> the thing changed uh, pretty quickly. Yeah, it it was probably I I forget when exactly it was. It was probably about two thirds of the way through the year in two thousand and twelve, and we'd already I think Stone Brothers had a a contract with Ford to build a Ford uh, car of the future. Well, they they did. Well, they build did. And, they and did. test one. I think you might. Have. But they knew at that point that they were going to a, a Mercedes for the following year. But they um, they had to build that as a part of their contract. So I did a lot of the testing in the car of the future, and it was going to be a ripper car. Like it was, I finished eighth there in my first year at Stone Brothers, and and I felt, you know, that the reason I my step after GRM was to. Get in a team that I can win a championship with, and yeah, I signed a three-year deal with Stone Brothers, and then yeah, two-thirds away into that that year, um, Betty, uh, you know, bought part of the team, and um, and then we learnt that we were going to be driving a Mercedes for the following year, um, but not with Mercedes backing, mm. with AMG customer sports backing, mm. which a lot of fans keep saying about the Mercedes. Hmm. The Mercedes, the company, wasn't involved, no. didn't want it to happen, didn't want to have anything to do mm. with it. It was the connection to AMG customer support, mm. particularly from an engine point of view, mm. that allowed that whole program to even occur. Mm. Did you contemplate trying to leave, to look for a loophole to, to get out? Because, of course, history shows Van Gisbergen yeah. got out and moved, to, got to techno yeah. through whatever means he needed to do it. Um, did you, or did you no. embrace a new challenge? No, it, was, it, was, I, it was exciting at the was, time. That it, it was, was really exciting, and, and especially you know that name having mm. uh, having a Mercedes badge on the car and AMG supporting you, um, HWA in in Germany. Um, you know they're they're a big company and mm. they know what they're doing. So I was excited, and and it really felt like 
this was going to be yeah, Stone Brother. My my big thing was are the Stones still going to be involved? And Jimmy obviously moved on. Ross was still there, so I thought this this is good. Like and the nucleus know, of the people was there. Yeah, too. and the same people, and you know the people are what make a team and the culture and everything. So um, they got they had that winning culture. Um, they they worked hard, really hard, but the program was very difficult. It was very difficult. The the Mercedes, um, although the you know the chassis was the same, uh, we actually converted the car of the future Ford into a mm. Mercedes. So everything underneath was the same, but then the aero kit was hard straight out the box. We had issues with vibrations, front front splitters coming apart, tearing apart. Nothing was strong enough. Um, and, and just a lot of stuff kept going back and forward to HWA to, to improve. The engine package was, uh, was the hardest thing because I think they, they put in a, a 5.8 liter, I think, but it was reduced, you know, it was, um, downsized to a five liter, um, which made, you know, made things very difficult. They had a flat plane, plane crank. Mm, they had, sounded awesome. um, yeah, twin throttle body. Uh, and they ended up going to the the individual throttle bodies after a while because we couldn't get it to work. So it was a it was really rough. That first year was really rough, but we pushed on. Um, everyone you know, put in huge hours, and they got the cars going like handling great. The cars handled really well um, because in 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 the you know in the end it was really just the Stone Brothers car with a, a different body shell on it. Um, but the biggest problem was still our engine. They were overheating. Um, the first year in Adelaide, I had my foot out the door in every pit stop. I remember trying to you get were melting to, your, yes. your, your boots, weren't you? Yeah. Yeah. So that was a, it was a tough one and it sort of took a toll on the momentum of my career. Um, and then the, the following year, we – you know, we had some good stuff coming and that did improve the package quite a bit. They worked on the engines quite a bit over the over the break and actually um, Stone Brothers started having a lot more input into their engine. Because before it at, was put in a box, send it back to Germany, yes, wasn't it? Yes, yeah. So, yeah, they, they had the, the Stone Brothers engine builder still working on the engines and um, and doing a lot of dyno work and picked up quite a bit of, um, po- quite a bit of pace with them. They were really strong in in top end, but just lacked the drivability and the and the torque, mm. um, and really struggled with temperature. So they just drop a heap of horsepower. Uh, so some tracks they'd go half a right, and then other tracks they were they were pretty bad. So yeah, it was again another really hard year, and um, yeah, it was it was to the point where I was like, well, you know, do I do I keep going with this? Do I keep pushing and and I, I just felt like that package, unless they were going to throw that engine out and, and start again, it really wasn't – there was no light at the end of the tunnel. Mm. Um, and I, I loved that team. Like the, the people there were great. Um, a lot of really good people there are now at um, Penske and oh, – sorry, DJR um, and and uh, and in other really good teams. Wes McDougall, mm-hmm. um, now a Wing Cups engineer. Um, so – you know that that was it was really disappointing because you put in so much effort and just got little reward. We got yeah. some reward, um, but just not yeah, not what you wanted. I want to talk to you about the reward. It was Winton mm. twenty fourteen where you 
scored a, a win that was Erebus's first mm. in supercars. They'd obviously won in GTs and the 12-hour and stuff like that. Um, was it you versus Coulthard? And yeah. There's a few guys in the mix that weekend. Was that the weekend that the track had had the yes. sealant in it and suddenly yes. everyone was like two seconds a lap yeah. faster? It was yeah. crazy. That and was there was crazy. another thing that happened that week too that – this is in our National Motor Race Museum catch racer questions, but I should just throw it in now. It's tell us about the time you got out of the shower and chased a house intruder up the street naked with a baseball bat. <laughs> that started that happened, your week. That started my week, yeah. Tell us what happened before we get to the Winton bit. Yeah, we we just were you, did you have a towel on? Did you have boxes or were you nude running down the street? <laughs> so we, we just moved into our new house um, that, that we were getting built in Brisbane and beautiful little place and uh, it was about two weeks into um, just moving in and we didn't have blinds or anything. I remember we headed into the – Alana was having a shower. Um, she, I was going in to have my shower when she was jumping out and I saw a guy at the front in a hoodie just walking by but looked up. And I thought, that's a bit weird. Anyway, so I go for my shower. Um, Alana's now out in the walk-in robe, which is just next to the shower. And all our lights are off because, you know, without blinds, you don't want to have the lights on. You don't want to say, hello, here yeah. I am. And, uh, and all the lights downstairs were off. So the place was really dark. And um, and I remember I could see Alana as she was stepping outside the bathroom towards the walk-in robe and she started screaming at the top of her lungs. And and I, I the first thing I thought was she's looking at Ava who was only about two years old then, um, and something, you know, something she was wrong. on the floor. Mm. And so I freaked out and I've I've jumped out of the shower, still wet, shower running, everything, and, and no towel. <laughs> All out there. All out there. And uh, and she couldn't talk about what just – I was trying to get out of it. What just happened? What, what, what? And she said, someone's in here. And I said, What? She said someone was right here in front of me about two metres in front. They've just run downstairs. So I've bolted downstairs and uh, and not even thinking, you know, there's just rage. And if you'd stopped and thought about it. It was stupidity. Mm. Uh, and, and so I'm slipping and sliding, going down the stairs and banging into the walls, putting big dints in the walls because I couldn't get any traction. Um, and uh, And I get downstairs and it's pitch black. And, and what, what thinking, time of the day what, are we talking here? Ten thirty at night or yeah, eleven? Yeah, I'm flying out to Winton the next day at eight a.m. Yeah. Um, and and so I get downstairs and I'm yelling like I'm just swearing. Um, and I think I thought he was down the back near the back sliding door. And, and I'm had telling you made him, the, had you made the link that this is the guy I saw outside? No, not at that point. Okay, no. Um, and. Uh, and I was yelling out, I'm giving the, op- the opportunity to get out the back door now. And nothing happened. So after about another two minutes, I thought, what am I doing? <laughs> I'm I've down got as And I'm getting a bit cold. And, uh, and I need, I don't have any, like I didn't want to walk down to the kitchen because I knew there's knives and all yeah. sorts of stuff yeah. down there. So I, I ran upstairs. I, actually, Alana threw me down some shorts. And then <laughs> very kind of it. And then I grabbed the baseball bat, and Where's I go. Where's the baseball bat live at your house? Uh, it was up in the cupboard because it still hadn't been unpacked. So you play baseball? No, I got it from Austin, Texas, when I went there in right. 2012. Okay. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. And 
the Louisville Slugger, I think it was. It was going to come in handy for a bit of slugging. <laughs> yeah. So I've, I've then searched the whole house and no one was there, but um, we got the cops there and uh, they brought the sniffer dogs and everything. But the scary thing was they did the fingerprinting and after I went away, Alana went and stayed with her dad. I came back on the Monday and where the place had been fingerprinted, um, the you could see fingerprints which we thought was natural. Um, but then on the back door, there were fingerprints from powder on the back door. So he'd come back over the weekend, which was pretty scary. So we installed security, everything. We got CrimSafe oh, to deck so us So it out. came back while you were at Winton and came she was at Hawaii? Yeah, yeah. And was anything gone? Uh, no, you couldn't get in. But, yeah, it was it – was, that was the scariest thing. We wow. thought we'd scared him. We thought we would have scared him off enough. But, uh, yeah, so that that was a bit scary and mm. scary for Alana. But anyway, so I went off to Winton the next day. Um, oh, you know, practice was real sketchy because of that stuff down on the track, that sticky stuff that they'd patched up all the cracks with. And um, and if you got offline, it was just so skatey. So after a while, the track really started gripping up because it was just that stuff was spreading everywhere. And um, it just worked. Like for our car, it just worked. I think I qualified fourth um, or fifth on the first day and, and finished up uh, top five the first race and then um, the second race was still on the Saturday. Uh, my my car just lit up and, um, and and won the race. I got cool tart in the last couple of laps, had Winterbottom chase me down the last few laps, but um, we had good enough pace to hold him off and... And then the next day, all the rubber stuff that was down had gone. So our car was shocking <laughs> the next day. I qualified 15th or something and didn't race much better. But, uh, yeah, but to get that, that win and to see the, uh, you know, the satisfaction on Betty's face because she'd pumped so much money in mm. over those couple of years were, and, and to give something back again to the guys were after the countless, countless hours, um, and, and heartache that we'd all been through was really cool. So, um, yeah, that that was the best part of those couple of years. It was a weird week that started weirdly mm. and ended well. So mm. uh, I remember a couple of probably a few rounds later at Sydney Motorsport Park, the week of there's a press announcement goes out that says you've re-signed or you're re-signing with Erebus. Mm. I remember sitting with you in the grandstand and we did a, a, an interview for V8 Extra, the Channel 7 supercar show that used mm. to be on back in that day. That was the last year of Channel 7. Of course, mm. they're back this year with, with supercars. And it was an interview in re- regards to obviously we talked about Winton, we talked about your journey before that and staying with this team and why and how. Mm. But you didn't stay with that team. Mm. What? How do? You, how does a team announce a driver staying and then he doesn't stay? Is the basic question, I guess. Yeah. Um, look, I, you know, I'm I'm known for my handshake deals, and uh, and the boys, you know, all my mates give me a bit of crap about that because most of my sponsorship deals, personal stuff on my helmet, are, are just done through uh, knowing people and having a relationship with them, and a shake of the hand is as good as a you know a, a signature on a contract, and um, and so. You know, I uh, Ryan Madison was the CEO um, or general manager at the time of Erebus, and we verbally agreed on a deal. And um, the, at that point, uh, not a lot of people knew this, but there was a bit of a, a link with Volvo for the following year. So 
this does ring a bell. Yeah. Um, so it was Volvo talking about coming in and GRM wasn't the first point of call, uh, quite as well as. Yeah, quite possibly at that point, yes. So I was pretty excited about that considering the Volvo was going quite well. And, um, so the, 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 to, to rewind over it, that Erebus would become a Volvo team for 2015. Yeah. And that's what made you go... Yeah, cool. yeah. Because because I it's, the Mercs a struggle. It's yeah. not going to get there. Let's yeah. go with something that's getting there. Yes, yeah. yeah. And and you know my my thoughts. Yeah, my thoughts exactly were. I doesn't matter how much money. Doesn't matter how anything. Because at this point, you know, I'm still wanting. Well, you, you always want to win a championship, mm. but I still had those um, those hopes in mind. So um, that was like. Righto, this is this could be good. So um, you know, I had that agreement with Ryan, and um, and then a few rounds later at Bathurst, uh, I got tipped on my lid from Russell Ingle. Yep, and so I was on a pretty after you'd already had a wall banger at Sandown. Yeah, a few weeks beforehand, yeah. and they'd announced it in the media a few. Uh, uh, it was the week before, of Sydney because we. I remember yeah. we sat in that grandstand, and the reason yeah. why we did the interview was because yeah. you had the announcement was out. You were staying. Yeah, and uh, and and. That weekend was meant to be where the deal was made with Volvo. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, so on the Sunday night uh, after going through all that, um, Betty then said to me, she came up to my camper van and we'd had a few drinks together and she said, I'm sorry, but the deal for next year with, you know, the the manufacturer um, isn't... You, you knew who it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, isn't looking great. Um, the deal's basically fallen through, so we want, but we still want to. We'd love to have you, and uh, and so for me that was like, uh, okay, that's not what I agreed yeah. to. Yeah. And I, and I thought, well, you know, I just I I question, okay, well, what what are we doing? What are we going to do to make things better and you know to start winning some races? And it didn't really add up to me that it was going to be much better i knew it was still going to improve uh but but it just wasn't going to be where i needed it to be for the following year it was going to take too much more time Mm. and uh and time really wasn't starting to be on my side so um i rang around and uh and i got an opportunity with charlie schwerkolt and it was going to be in a tick uh in a fpr car which is where i'd where you could have been a few times before yeah you had a few um, goes at that whole Gold Campbellfield thing, didn't you? Had a few you knew goes. how to get there before you ended up getting yeah, there. Yeah. yeah. And um and and yeah, so uh But by this stage were you your thing for not going there some years before had been you didn't want to be the third car. Yeah. But by this stage you're gonna be the fourth car. Because they had two of their yes. own Rod Nash's it wasn't franchise. An ideal situation. But a gig's a gig. But the way I thought about it, it was four cars. It was a four-car model now. It wasn't a three-car. So you always you boomed, you're always with, a, boomed a with the team. Yep. So I thought it can't be too too bad, a gig. And they were doing a ripper job back then too. Actually, that year where uh, I should have been in that car, the FBR car for 2014, um, I think they had a ripper year. So that was uh, – anyway, so I'll get to that. But So after a while, uh, I was like, beauty – we're going to, I'm going to FBR. Um, this is going to be good. And then, um, 
And then Charlie says to me, oh, there's a sponsor clash. We can't be there. So we've gone with Vulcanshaw. So I'm like, okay, all right. <laughs> not not what I thought I was going to be doing, but okay. Um, and and really the, uh, the Vulcanshaw car for that next year wasn't in the right window. And, um, and it was a, a bit of a, a tough one. So, um, yeah, 2014 was a, was a hard year. I think I finished up 14th in the championship. Um, and then Charlie decided he'll do his own thing. So, so away he went and, um, uh, standalone team. Yeah. Sorry, I'm, I'm talking 2015. 15. So, 15 was the yes. year with Charlie and, yep. the, and the Walkinshaw car. Yep. 16 was the... The first breakaway year of, of Charlie's yep. work. Oh, team 18. Yeah. Yep, correct. Preston High yep. Racing. So um, three years with Charlie and it, it, it didn't go the way that you would have liked it to. What, mm. like 18, it clearly just, the relationship broke down. Mm-hmm. Whoa. Why, how, looking back on it, could you have done things different? Could he have done things different? How did it all end up? Uh, I think, um, you know, we both got pretty frustrated after 2017 wasn't too bad a year. I think we we found a a bit of a window for the car. Um, and, uh, And I had Chris Stuckey that year. He was doing quite a good job. And then Chris left at the end of that year. And, and in 18, we went to uh, the the new model and straight out the gate, I, I there was something just not right. Like the car just wasn't working. It was, it was crap. And, uh, and so we, uh, we wondered, you know, we went back through the books and we're like, why? Like what's going on here? And it just, nothing worked for us. And uh, and I started getting quite frustrated with it and expressed my opinions to Charlie, who tried to tried to fix things. Um, he did what he could, but after a while, I think he um, he got sick of hearing me whinge about it because nothing was changing. And uh, and really, what we needed was some engineering expertise. Um, we needed some input from another team because we were so far out of the window. It was just, it was terrible. And um, and so then, uh, yeah, Charlie's and my relationship broke down a fair bit. Um, and uh, and then, yeah, we were we were always very close. And then we started. Charlie and I stopped talking to each other a bit, and and then it just all went wrong. And and the car was breaking down every couple of races and it was very very frustrating so toward the towards the end of that year I started ringing around because it was the last year of my career at, at team 18 and um and then I think Ch- uh, Charlie caught word that I was looking around and I'm sure he was probably thinking the same thing anyway um I think we're on the same page there but yeah so he started talking to Mark and I knew that was going on um, and uh, and I was like, well, this could work out all right. <laughs> <laughs> you just swap spots. So in the end we swap spots. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's funny it works out. It is. Uh, do you have any um, lingering effects from that Darwin crash in 2016, the one that busted you up and put you out of the saddle for a couple of rounds? Is there anything these days that affects you or you're repaired uh, and all good? You know what? My ribs sometimes hurt, 
Um, it's crazy because my pelvis healed so quickly. It was never really that sore apart from when I when you actually were, crashed. Did it? Yeah. So um, what, just to recap, pelvis, ribs. Y- yeah, uh, pelvis, three ribs, and right knee was broken. broken. Yeah. So that came across and whacked the uh, the brake bias adjuster and snapped it clean off the. Tough, you know, just, smashing gear shifts, yeah, your knees are strong. Yeah, yeah. Uh, are you are you on board with the thought of a paddle shift? By the way, uh, I think for safety, it's a good thing. Because another thing that you can't whack your leg onto, because that was what broke Chaz's leg. And um, but even with that leg protection there now, uh, that takes that away or not take it away? There's a know, lot of people, I, there's a lot of fans. Yeah, who don't want to I see think it. I think the older I don't know the older drivers like myself. I think would like to see a bit of that stay in the category. But but then you've got to make the category relevant as well. Mm. And it's not really – it's becoming less relevant for road cars because no road cars, cars have, uh, you know, sequential shift on the on the floor. Um, you know, everyone's got paddle shift now. And, and it makes sense to go down that path. But um, I guess as a – I'm a bit of an old school racer. Like I, I like the cars to be hard to drive because it shows the driver's mm. skill, and and it makes it harder. And you know, um, I think you have to, you should have to work for it rather than just you know paddle shift. It's another thing that is not a challenge for the driver. True. Um, so yeah, I, I'm in two minds about it. It's hard to. It drives a drive. You'll drive whatever you get. Given. Well, that's the thing. Like I wouldn't complain about it if I was. Mate, if you had the H pattern, you'd drive Bathurst. Don't yeah. worry about that. Absolutely. <laughs> Billy Car, you'd be doing it. <laughs> um, we're, we've stolen so much of your time. I'll wrap it up very quickly. National Motor Racing Museum are big partners of ours. Our couch racer questions. It's some of the fans' questions. We'll zip through them. We've kind of covered a lot of them in our um, mm. in our chat. Uh, Racing viewer on Twitter. Best and worst attributes of the AMG E63 supercar. Oh, I think I've I think I've said them. You've covered it. Yeah, I, you know the the worst was the uh, performance of the engine mm-hmm. um, in in lower revs, but the best was uh, in in the upper revs. The thing pulled hard, um, and and also it it handled well. Uh, Daniel asks on Facebook. He's referring to a day at Winton in 07. When GRM took off the front under tray and rear wing of a VZ supercar as part of a, <laughs> an experiment for supercars, yes. I guess you must have been the driver in this. Do I you was, remember it? I was the guinea pig. Yeah, I remember Gary saying to the you know he's he's we wanted to put the point forward to the board was we don't bloody need downforce, and uh, I can tell you it was the worst car I've ever driven. <laughs> like there was just no downforce at all, and uh, it it doesn't. For the for the for the listeners, it's not like um, it just being like a TCM car, like a touring car, masters car. After that, it just it takes everything away from any balance in the car or any driving driving ability. You can't pull it up under brakes um, because it locks rear. So the way that the cars are developed, they're developed around having that aero. So if you started with no aero, um, then you develop the car. To mm. suit that package, like a TCM car, mm. but a supercar, you take the air it's off it, and it, it is bad. It's bad. It's <laughs> I bad. thought you were going to say I something else. I didn't enjoy then. it. Yeah, I, I thought you were going to say something else. Then yeah. uh, we'll keep racing through them. Damien, um, are there any races or events overseas that you're keen to do before you retire? Yeah, absolutely. I'd I'd love to go and do a 24 hour spa or Ooh, yeah, that'd be good. Um, 
or, or Le Mans mm-hmm. or, you know, or Nürburgring would be cool. Yep, yep. Um, yeah, there's there's certainly a few things that I'd I'd love to race at most tracks overseas. Monza, um, yeah, the, yeah, there's so many tracks that are on my bucket list. It's a big bucket list, mm. big bucket list. Corey's a bit of a food fan. He sends in questions on Facebook all the time. Is it a potato cake or a potato scallop? Uh, potato scallop. Really? From, Is yeah, this a Queensland, Queensland thing? Yeah. Right. But then now I feel weird saying because potato you're, scallop. Because you live in Victoria, yeah. so you've got to say potato cake. Yeah, to it's fit like in. potato scallops, like a, a, a potato sea creature, isn't it? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, Corey comes up with good food questions. They do make you think. They do make you think. Um, we covered Johnny's question about uh, the nickname Lethal and how you managed to slip that through. We've covered Robbie's question, who's asked about your big crashes and if you had any um, pain or you need any ongoing treatment, which you you're looking all right to me, so you're laughing and smiling, so that's okay. Um, we've covered Team 18 and how things ended up there, so we kind of have covered a lot of those questions uh, through the pod. Thanks, everyone, for sending them in. Before we finish, this is our uh, way we finish. You've done plenty of these in your time. Top 10 shootouts. You've nailed plenty of these over the years. Uh, word association. I'll say something, you give me the first word that comes into your head. If it's really rude, we'll bleep it, but if it's a little bit rude, we'll leave it in. All right, ready? Michael Caruso, what's the word that springs to mind? Oh, mate. thought you were going to say something else there. Anyway, <laughs> Dean Canto. Oh, bald. That's rich coming from you. Uh, <laughs> Betty Clemenko. Uh, character. TCR. Challenging. Gary Rogers. Legend. Brett Holdsworth. <laughs> uh, oh, more than a brother. I don't know. Put that into one word. I put a hyphen between them all, and it yeah, becomes one word. Yeah. I think is the way to to get around that. Sebastian Bourdais. Oh, uh, oh. And you man. can't say French. No, no, no. Um, For those who are wondering why I'm asking, your co-driver in 2015. No, I I know what I want to say. I'm trying to put it into a word, but oh, um, if you can't put it into one word, you can use multiple words. Yeah. He's 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 very uh he's oh man, he's a legend, he's a great guy, but man, he's he's hard. He's hard work. Intense? <laughs> yeah, intense. Too intense. He's intense. Needs to relax a bit more. No, he's great though. He's yeah. But I don't I don't I'm not critical of him. He's just a he's a true Frenchman. I would have thought ten years earlier when he was pounding around winning the Gold Coast indie races, yeah. you would have never guessed you'd co drive with him and, no, and you, no, and that, you that's pretty him. cool. Yeah, pretty cool. Oran Park. Uh, one of one of a kind track. Mm. Just some, it's under someone's house at the moment. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, um, so, I got a street there now. Have you got a street? <laughs> I got a street. Is it Holdsworth Street? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Or Holdsworth Way or yeah, Holdsworth some, Avenue? Something like that. I've got a I've got a photo. Someone sent me a photo. Oh, that's cool. So all the race winners there got a street. Nice. Yeah. I like it. I like yeah. it. I like a bit of acknowledgement of history. Mm. Mercedes E sixty three. Stressful. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And to finish off, Hidden Valley. Hidden Valley. Hot. Mm, That's a bit boring though, isn't it? Yeah, it is a little bit, but you've given us really good answers on just about everything else, so we'll kind of let you off the hook. Um, Mate, 213 supercars. I like to give some stats. 213 supercars round starts. You are in the top, I think it's 12 of drivers all time. There's only like 11 or 12 guys that have started more rounds 
in 60-odd years of championship history. So I'll leave you that to take away because I think that's pretty impressive. Oh, that's cool. 475 races, three great wins, 14 podiums, four pole positions. As always, though, it's not always all about numbers. It's how you do it and how you go about it. So for the kid from Commodore Cup to get through the journey, and I think we've covered most things. We've probably skipped a few things along the way that we haven't had time to get in. Uh, I'm sure there's a few more chapters left to right. We'll be keeping an eye on that TCRL for this year. Uh, by the time this comes out somewhere down the track, we're keeping an eye for our email box to find out where you're going to drive in the Enduros. But as we finish this episode, please say hello to Chazzy for us. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Thanks for having me And all me the on. other it's people really that enjoyed. you know in the supercars pack. <laughs> no, I've enjoyed it, mate. Thank you. I really loved that chat with Lee Holdsworth. I hope you did too. We got great feedback last week about part one and I know Lee got plenty of great feedback too so thanks everyone who uh, has enjoyed our, our little chat I really got a lot out of it, it was great to catch up with Lee Holdsworth, don't forget too you can visit us online, vhsleuth.com.au is the place, we are the authority of all things Australian motorsport and jump in our online bookshop too the website address for that is bookshop.vhsleuth.com.au thanks for all your feedback on the podcast too, keep the questions rolling in, tell your mates, subscribe Leave a review as well. We'd love to see what you think about the show. And you can, of course, follow us on all the social platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We've always got something going on. And you can also sign up through our website to the V8 Sleuth newsletter. It gives you the latest in our news on the website, special offers, and a whole pile more. In the meantime, we're done. Episode 90 is in the books. Ten to go before we get to the century. What are we going to do to celebrate 100? We'd love to hear your feedback and your thoughts as well. In the meantime, though, I'm Aaron Noon. We're done for the V8 Sleuth podcast. We'll chat to you again in seven days' time.